This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. I'd now like to introduce my dear friend, uh, the Reverend Richard Simpson, as our guest preacher. Thank you, Rich. Good afternoon. You all look happy. It's a good day. I'm so grateful to be with you and to share in this celebration. And as Luther said, my name is Rich Simpson. I'm an Episcopal priest in the Diocese of Western Massachusetts, which is that part of the Commonwealth that goes from about 495 to the New York border. <laughs> it's really central in Western Massachusetts, but Boston named us. <laughs> and I serve as canon to the ordinary because Episcopalians love titles like that. But really, I have the same title, really, as Stephen Wilco, whom you already met, right? I'm associate to the bishop. That's what I do. On April 15, 2013, you may recall an act of terrorism at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. It shook us all, but it especially shook the city of Boston. And I'm not going to quote David Ortiz from this pulpit, <laughs> but some of you may remember how he expressed how we were feeling at the time. And I had two sons in college in Boston at that time. Graham was at Harvard and James was at Northeastern. And they had plans, both of them, to be in and around the finish line, which they were earlier that day. It's the scariest day I've ever had as a parent. Now, this is where Luther, the Episcopal chaplain at Harvard at the time, comes in. My son Graham was very active in that ministry, and he'd been asked sometime before any of this happened if he would be willing to preach a sermon on that Sunday evening at Christ Church in Cambridge. And now that event fell on the first Sunday after the bombers were found. And Luther, good pastor that he is, gave Graham an out. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. And Luther, good pastor that he is, gave Graham an in. 
if you want to do this still, I trust you to do it. My son Graham said yes and preached, and my wife and I went in for that service at Christ Church. And that is how Luther and I met just over a decade ago. We have not been lifetime friends or seminary classmates. We haven't even served in the same diocese. But I begin there this afternoon because I think it reveals something of the character of your new pastor. It can be so tempting for the ordained, and honestly, I don't think it matters much whether you're an Episcopalian or a Lutheran on this. It can be tempting, especially in a time of crisis, right, to say, I went to seminary, I studied this stuff, I know this stuff, I need to do this, I need to be in charge, I need to be the leader. I mean, this college kid is smart and all, and he's a PK after all. But what if he messes up? I have no inside information to Luther's thought process at the time, and quite frankly, I haven't asked him much about it. I just know that he made the right decision as far as I was concerned. At least twice in this liturgy, the word trust will be used explicitly, but I think it's implicit throughout the whole of the words we pray today. And I think trust is a very close cousin to love. As followers of Jesus, we are called to put our trust in God. But an extension of that trust, to my mind, is learning to trust one another as we all let go and let God do what God wants to do. And ministry happens when we realize again and again and again that we are not in charge. Not the ordained, not the council president or the senior warden, none of us. God is in charge. And it's best that we try not to micromanage God's faithful people. So Luther made a lasting impression on me for this very reason. To me, it's an embodiment of servanthood ministry. It's what he did at Harvard and what I pray he will do here. Trust you to be God's faithful people. If you ask me what makes for congregational health, this kind of healthy mutual trust between clergy and laity gets to the heart of the matter. I'm not talking about church growth in numbers. Some big churches are unhealthy, some small ones are healthy. What I mean by ministry is about the work that God has entrusted us to do. We are asked to do this work at a time when the world desperately needs us to. And God promises to help. Our liturgy today began with a reminder over here at this font that we are the baptized. And it seems to me beginning there gets this just right. It might be fruitful long after you've forgotten what this sermon was about today or who the preacher was to keep those bulletins and go back and remember what we prayed together. We ask God with our lips, but also in our lives, to bless the work that lies ahead. 
And our prayers take us to the very heart of what we believe about ministry. And it's not that different between Episcopalians and Lutherans. What we believe is that ministry is not a spectator sport. It's a team sport. And the ministers here are all the people. Can I just say it this way in this church? The priesthood of all believers. Anybody heard that before? In fact, perhaps nobody understood this better in church history than Martin Luther. At a time when penance was all the rage, it was Luther, and now I'm talking about the 16th century reformer, Martin, not that guy. <laughs> Martin Luther saw that the key sacrament tied to God's amazing grace happens there at Holy Baptism. One scholar has written these words, among Martin Luther's greatest contributions to the world is how the washing of water in the name of the triune God amid the gathered Christian assembly is at the heart of one's entire life as a Christian. Ministry is a team sport. And the ministers are all the people. And we are called to put our trust in God and then roll up our sleeves and get to work with as little ego as possible because this world needs us to be the church right now. And on this day, on this beautiful day, in this beautiful space, you recommit yourselves to do that work together. I was really excited. I'm an Episcopalian, but I'm coming to a Lutheran place, right? So I had to quote a couple Lutherans. First Luther, now Christer Stendhal, some of you have heard of, a Swedish Lutheran bishop who taught at Harvard, New Testament, for many years. And I'm pretty sure it was Bishop Stendhal who was the first one to start talking about holy envy. It's a phrase that others, including Barbara Brown Taylor, have, have I was going to say stolen, but borrowed from Bishop Stendhal, and I love it too. What it meant, as I understand it, is that while denominational loyalties are part of the immigrant history of this nation and a lingering part of the American church, that with God's help, we are all learning to be part of the Jesus movement together. And just as individuals have their own charisms, their own gifts, so too congregations, and so too denominations. And we can approach differences with a sense of superiority, or maybe even less helpfully with a sense of inferiority. But we can also choose to embrace difference with holy envy and ask, what can we learn from each other or as that great Irish theologian puts it, we are one, but we're not the same. But we get to carry each other. So just to be clear, I'm sure Stephen went over this with you when you had this call process. Luther is not here to make you all Episcopalians. <laughs> and in spite of his name, you aren't meant to make him a Lutheran either. The learning that can unfold in a community of the baptized where holy envy is practiced is that the community stays open to the Holy Spirit in all those places you find it. 
in big and small ways, and approaching the differences, and approaching the new things that God is doing with questions, and with curiosity, and with holy envy, will bring all of you closer to the living God, and help you to become more and more a people with one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism. This ministry is for all the baptized. The priesthood of all believers. I have holy envy for that idea. The gospel reading tonight, this afternoon, has as its biblical context the last night of Jesus' earthly life. And you may recall that the disciples are in that upper room when Jesus takes a towel and a basin and washes their feet. All of them, the denier, the betrayer, the ambitious, the confused, the already grieving, all of them. And then he gives them instructions on how to be the church to the end of the ages. It is both really simple and really hard at the same time. It's simple because it's all about love. It's hard because it's all about love. And it means everybody. Your mission statement, though, printed on this bulletin tonight, speaks this truth to your neighbors. I'm just preaching to the choir, right? Diversity and your uniqueness are welcomed here. This is a place where everybody can find a home. All of us need to keep learning how to back up our words with actions one day at a time. What we say and how we act need to be ever more in sync with God's help. But we know what we're called to do, to love one another. To love one another. And I think to do that, we have to trust one another. When I sit down, and I'm getting close, we will sing a hymn together, and then Luther will officially be installed as your pastor. And among the questions he will be asked is this one. Trusting in God's care, will you love, serve, and pray for God's people? Nourish them with word and sacraments and lead them by your own example in faithful service and holy living. You have called a person to be your pastor whom I know can do that. All of you will also make some promises today, however, and among other things, you will promise to receive Luther as a messenger of Jesus, as a servant of Christ, as a steward of the mysteries of God, and you will promise to pray for him. Pray for him every day. I know he will be praying for you every day. Pray for each other. In congregations where this is lived out, where we are regularly asking for God's help, our energy and our gifts are unleashed, and we become more and more and more recognizable as the church that this world needs us to be. Ministry can be hard, and people can disappoint us. In the most intimate relations of relationships, people can disappoint us. And you will on some days disappoint each other. Luther is so talented, but he is not perfect. 
and you are so talented, but you are not perfect either. There will be disappointments. There will be misunderstandings. And in the work that I do, I can tell you this with a fairly high degree of certainty. As with all human relationships, leaning in early to conflict to find forgiveness and healing and reconciliation is a whole lot easier than waiting and thinking it'll go away and hiding it under the carpet. Things do not fix themselves. And so we practice and we practice and we practice the work of reconciliation. And we put our trust in God's care. And when we do, our energy is freed up to love and to serve and to pray for God's people. And just as Jesus washed the feet of all of his disciples, even the ones who had disappointed him, so that work continues here among rich and poor, young and old, faithful and annoying. Diversity and your uniqueness are welcomed here. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Not just the bread that will be broken once again on this table, but all of us who receive it week after week. We come here to praise God and we come here to remember our baptism until even each of us comes to our own death and even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The body of Christ. I pray that you will take this new beginning as a chance to recommit to the core values we share and with holy envy and with trust in one another and trust in God and love for one another and love for God that you will do this in the name of the one holy undivided Trinity. Bless you in this work. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved. <laughs>